This is a Radio.com original. That burnout, I, I love that. I shot that on a Hasselblad, two and a quarter negative, and, you know, fire sells. I mean, it's, yeah. it's you know, you, they call it clickbait today, but you put a fire burnout on the cover of the magazine, and it would increase the sales immediately. I mean, yeah. it just, boom, your eye goes right to it. That's right. By We're playing way, that game. You know, whatever it took to sell a picture, man, what do you want? You want the girl in the bathing suit? Okay, we got that. We'll put her, you know. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Talking About Cars podcast, where it's all about everybody has a car story. The guy from Great American Auto Scene, my co-host, Hot Rod Bob Beck. Hello. Hello, Bob. Hello there, everybody. And then, of course, our guest for the day, joining us on the show, Justice himself, Ed Justice Jr., joining us. <laughs> Go ahead. Go back, back to that question. day. <laughs> I don't, by the way, I don't, I don't have a product deal with this company. I mean, it's okay. not like... It's not like drinking the uh, soft drink at the Victory Lane in NASCAR. Yeah. It comes to like people we sponsor. Uh, we've never been a company that just looks for getting a decal on the car. If I'm working with somebody, they believe in our products or we're not working with them. And because and, I don't like the certain athletic, uh, you know, uh, players who last week, the particular shoe was the best shoe I've ever seen. And then this week, this is the best shoe I've ever seen. And then you go, well, what's it going to be next week? I mean, it could be another, another shoe. shoe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. If you had a choice of motorsports, you've been involved, you've taken photographs in just about every type of wheeled racing action. What would be your, your most favorite of those? Well, you know, that's a question I, I get asked a lot, and I can't really answer it. I can, I can tell you, uh, I, I really, number one, I try to get people who are, say, 100% NASCAR fan to go to an IndyCar race, and I try to get them to go to a drag race, and I try to get them to go to a road race, and, and vice versa in all the other forms. I try to get people to take at least one bite of the apple of all the forms. Mm. Uh because it's always uh, a revelation, Bob, as you well know, when you take somebody who's never been to a drag race and stand them down by the starting line. I mean, it's, it's like a life-changing ex experience for most of these people. I, I like them all. I really, truly like them all. Now, if you asked me from a photographer's standpoint, well, I can give you the pros and cons on, on some of them. You know, drag racing is probably the least uh, exciting for the average uh, Joe photographer. Uh, you can shoot pictures from the grandstand and you can get decent pictures from the grandstand. I do as a pro. Uh, but then again, they're going to be somewhat routine. Now the vintage races, obviously they're better. And, uh, and then you've got the pictures in the pits. And then if you're shooting headshots of the cele the celebrities, the drivers, there's always an opportunity to do that. Uh, Indianapolis, Oval racing, you're limited again, like stock car, uh, you know, and particularly if you don't have a, a pit credential uh, for the average Joe, that, that eliminates a big part of the domain of the photographer. Mm -hmm. uh, road racing, now, now drag racing, you can go in the pits, and that's where you get the headshots and all that. Mm -hmm. Road racing, frankly, probably presents the greatest opportunity for the Joe average public photographer. 
because at certain tracks, Mid-Ohio not being one, uh, Mid-Ohio is a great example of some guy that was selling fence showed up in Ohio one day. <laughs> and, and I want to tell you something. I want to hire that guy because even for the pros, it is, a, I mean, they put fence where they don't need fence. And, and it's just absolutely crazy. And then they cut the photo holes. And the photo holes are either for six-foot-whatever photographers or they're for four-foot-whatever photographers. <laughs> and the four-foot-whatever hole is too high when you're on your knees. And so you got to squat. It's, uh, but anyway, but you go to a track like uh, Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, uh, Laguna Seca, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca in, in Carmel, Monterey, uh, Watkins Glen, um, Road Atlanta. Those are unbelievably great venues for a uh, uh, in photo enthusiast. And I talk to guys, I'll be on the other side of the fence, obviously, with a credential, and I'll talk to the photographers hanging over the fence, which I started there, and I've been there many times, even during my pro career. And, and I say, show me what you're shooting. And I tell you what, a lot, a lot of these guys are good guys and gals, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of female photographers. And, and What's your favorite track to shoot at? Uh, my favorite track. Let's see. Okay. There we go. Yeti. I saw the mic. My favorite track. Well, ah, gosh, probably road America. Uh, or ah, maybe Road Atlanta. Well, that's a tough one. I love shooting at Indianapolis. Uh, you know, it, it's changed a lot over the years. I mean, you know, entry speed at turn one in Indianapolis, the cars are going 240 miles an hour. Uh, that's like shooting, you know, the top end of a drag strip, uh, you know, give or take a few mile an hour. Uh, so the cars are moving. And you don't get a lot of, when they're coming down the straightaway, a lot of times, depending on where you don't get a lot of time to track the car. So it all of a sudden, boom, the car just shows up and you got to go. But modern cameras help solve a lot of those problems. It's, trust me, it's so different today than it was when I first started. Technology has changed so much. It's like traction control, stability management, uh, you know, ride control. Uh, Stabila track for in the snow. I mean, everything that's come onto a car, they put onto a camera and it's done the same effect. It's, you know, I, I joke about the car I drive's got all sorts of electronic controls on it. I go, I don't want to be in that car if I'm in the middle of a turn at high speed and it all quits yeah. because it's yeah. be pretty, mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden it's going to say, Hey Ed, Show us what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> if memory serves me correctly, you raced go-karts for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a quarter midget, and then, you know, I, that all got stopped. I, I, I had the quarter midget. That got stopped, and then I went back into go-karts uh, when I got older. But my early career got stopped due to uh, 10 pro drivers a year getting killed uh, back then. And between my mom and dad, uh, you know, they didn't want their son to be one of those because, you know, back in the day, the fifties, sixties, uh, and prior to that, uh, 10 of the top drivers would get killed every year. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter if you were the best or you were the worst. If it was your turn to die that weekend, that was it. There you go. I've got yeah. that. I've got that quarter midget. 
and I have that jacket. Oh, and, that's a, and I have that magazine. And, and yeah, it's evidence that we don't throw away much in our family. Horners. Good. Here's yeah. breaking news. And, and the Justice a, family are horners. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got a great uh, you've got a great building right alongside your main building where a lot of this is uh, on display for people. Yes, it is. Yeah. Now, obviously, COVID <laughs> right now has changed that. But yeah. But uh, we're hoping we get back to normal sometime in the next decade. Talk a little bit about the whole pandemic thing. How, if any, has that affected you? And Well, you know what? It's funny. I had some predictions. I, I, I predicted, and you know, uh, you know how predictions are. If you're a psychic, you make sure you make enough of them so you got plenty to claim that you were right and you forget uh -huh. about the ones you were wrong, right? So when you go and you make one prediction, I, I thought the economic effect would be somewhere between 9-11 and 2008. But that was before I knew that it was not going to be a shutdown just to flatten the curve, that it's become something else now. And so... I would not have made that prediction. But let's talk specifically on the car market. When this first happened, I said to everybody here, I said, you watch. This is going to change the way people look at personal ownership of vehicles. You want to be riding Metrolink or any sort of mass transit right now? Uh, you want to be get hopping in an Uber or a, uh, or a Lyft right now? Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. And you know what? personal transportation it now is all of a sudden a great idea. Just like reusable grocery bags, yeah. uh, they're not such a great idea. And uh, now Starbucks, they don't want you to use the reusable container and all the other people. It's not a Starbucks thing. It's a CDC thing, okay? Mm -hmm. And so maybe a lot of that stuff we were doing was smart for a reason. Wow, imagine that. So anyway, uh, what's happened in the, in the, uh, the car market, uh, that some, some manufacturers, some dealers are having a problem with shortage of vehicles due to the factory shutting down. So they're dealing with that. Uh, but on the other hand, a lot of the people that got in, incentive money, you know, the, the, uh, the, handout money, whatever, I forget the technical name, to, to stimulate the economy, have taken that money and put it towards buying cars. So new car sales are actually doing very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, and our business is doing very, very well. Uh, because people are also, on the other hand, besides buying new cars, keeping better shape of their car. And, uh, and they're driving their car. Because, you know, What's, what's interesting to see is this has affected people across society in varying degrees, all the way from people who wear a mask every moment they're outside and gloves to people who don't, okay? And frankly, I don't know who's right and I don't know who's wrong, okay? And it's, that's your choice. So uh, that's why you see cars being bought and cars being saved. And, uh, but at the end of the day, you see people really wanting to have more personal transportation that they have control over. It's a control issue. Yeah. Now, yeah you, 
when you came into the company as the the leader of Justice Brothers, you had a, a pretty good market, a pretty good line of products. You've expanded that product line yeah. considerably since your tenure. Yep. I, I, uh, <clears throat> we had 13, 13 products when I took over running the company and we've got over a hundred now. Uh, I, I jokingly say I've never seen a new product I didn't like. Uh, but, but, uh, but it's not that, you know, uh, technology, it's like, uh, we have a new GDI gas direct injection cleaning, uh, kit, uh, you know, GDI has become a big thing in the market. Uh, we, we don't, you know, the carburetor cleaner finally died. It lived a lot longer than anybody ever thought it would, but we still make a spray called carb cleaner, uh, because it's a general, uh, it, you know, carb cleaner spray has sort of become somewhat of a general category for cleaning injection, but we also make an air intake system uh, cleaning spray. And so <laughs> we, we, we have a lot of legacy products and then we have a lot of new products and, and a great deal of our business is contributed by products introduced in the last, say, five years or so. Great percentage. So we're You're constantly looking at new stuff. Your facility is amazing. I got to get, you gave me a tour a number of years ago with a, a car club I belong to. And I was just amazed that you can almost eat off the floors in your shops. Yeah. Your, your facility well, you, is immaculate. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Well, you know, uh, you do it for a lot of reasons. You know, uh, obviously safety's one. Uh, the, you know, when you get inspected by any agency, I always tell them, you know, like say the fire department and they inspect everybody, you know, and I say to the fireman, I go, look, you know, if we were ever have a fire, here's the way it plays out. Okay. You guys come, you hopefully put the fire out. Nobody gets hurt from the fire department. And then on, if it were over the weekend on Monday, we got to try and figure out how to make a living, but you go back to firehouse and you still have a living. So when you come in here, I hope you understand that I look at it, that I have a greater motivation to prevent this fire than you do. Now, obviously some places they go into, people don't feel that way, but, but we're the, we're the first persons who's going to feel the loss. And so, you know, we put in explosion proof motors in places we don't even need them, you know, which when you fire that electric motor up, it'll, it, most electric motors will have a spark and that can be a point of ignition. And so we, we put it, we use air pumps. We we've, and see my one uncle Zeke was a big part of the engineering of that and being a race car fabricator and all that. I mean, uh, and being raised under that, that's, we've always taken that approach. Uh, you know, racers are pretty good at figuring out problems in the heat of the battle and to win. And, you know, a car comes rolling into the pits in a 24-hour race, and you still are looking that you might have a chance to win. Duct tape and a lot of other stuff comes into play. And, you know, you get the job done. And so it's like the battlefield. You know, I mean, you don't have time to get it right. you got to win the war. So, but, yeah, we, we – uh, and, and it's something that I constantly am in saying, picking up paper – you know, et cetera, et cetera. I, I appreciate that. I worked at a fast food restaurant and I was part of the opening crew. And I can tell you within the first day, you had to slide your feet on the floor because it was so slippery. I mean, within one day, 
And, uh, you know, look at, we deal with a lot of people that come into, into our facilities and, uh, particularly in today's world, uh, you know, they, they notice that, yeah, you can walk and you're not going to track some grease somewhere or whatever. So yeah, thank you, Bob. That's, we work hard at that. I appreciate it. Hmm. And I, something just came over the line here. I'm just looking. Um, <clears throat> according to Bleacher Report, you, you heard the story about Bubba Wallace and the whole noose thing and, and that yes. thing out. And so according to Bleacher Report, FBI says noose founded NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace's garage and been there as early as October 2019. So apparently this thing isn't a new thing that they found. Okay, so that explains that there isn't anybody... Uh, to put it one way that would be so stupid to do this when there's such limited access to the garage at that time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, I, I, that because you just wondered who would do such a thing. Well, and considering it was secured off security didn't allow fans to get in there. It was the all drivers NASCAR couldn't get in and, there. Yeah. And, and the, and the track employees and, and who would be dumb enough to do something like that. And now we know this is breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, uh, oh. It, that that apparently is what the FBI is saying. So well, you knew there was a camera somewhere, but well, yeah. there's you know what for that answer. There's so many more questions that come up that they're gonna there'll be a lot of people asking what I'm thinking right now. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, how was it not discovered until this last weekend? And why'd they leave it there? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It, it was that always Bubba's pit area. Yeah. I mean, that, that, look, there's a million questions and it, 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 it's going to be, t you know, yeah, I, anyway, whatever. It's, oh. it's an unfortunate chapter, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, before we let you go, Ed Justice Jr. joining us here on Talking About Cars. Thanks again for joining us. It's been a great conversation. But we have to get some basics in. The basics being, what was your first car? My first car was a... 1970 Ford Pinto. Well, actually, no, actually, I take that back. It was a Ford van. The Pinto oh. was second. Okay, the Ford van was first. The I Pinto got was in the van. Everybody, <laughs> everybody I, yeah, I forgot about my Ford van. How could I forget about that? Everybody wanted a van at that time, mm -hmm. okay? I was driving a lot, and that Ford van couldn't pass a gas station. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't care how cool the van was. I, I, I said, I got to get rid of this van. And so uh -huh. I bought a Ford Pinto, put an ISKI cam in that, that 2,000cc motor, and put a set of Firestone, not for street use, wide tires in the back of that thing, jacked it up. And uh, that, yeah. So yeah, the Ford van I had for about six months and, and it was, it, it was eating money that I didn't even have. I mean, that thing was, was it all dressed up. Did you have the uh, water filled mattress in the back or the whole thing? No, no, that, that was later in my VW bus. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very good. Okay. All the cars you've had, what is the one car you, that got away that you wish you could get back? Oh boy. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I bought a, uh, 914 four cylinder. I'll qualify that in 1972. Porsche. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Porsche 914 looks like a sardine can. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, it has a front and a rear trunk, 
the engine's in the middle. It's the same weight distribution as the Cayman and the Boxster today, 45, 55% weight distribution. Very great handling car. I met my wife when I was driving that car. We dated in that car, but I still own that car, thanks to my wife. So she, when I wanted to sell it for the money, and we needed the money uh, drastically, trust me, when we were first married, and I could have gotten about 3500 for it. She goes, no, we don't need the money that bad. Complete role reversal compared to a lot of times, for sure, where, you know, a lot of times, hey, why don't you get rid of that car? And the guy's going, no, you know, it's so essential to our life, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so I can't really say, you know, I, the car that I tell everybody, and I own an 88 911 Turbo, or a 930 it's called, uh, my dad wanted me to sell that car and that's the only car we ever got in an argument over. And he goes, what are you going to do with it? And I go, well, it's only worth 30 grand at the time. And I said, people are paying 30 grand for Toyotas. I'm not going to sell the car. And he goes, oh, you need to sell that car. And I go, I'm not selling the car. Uh, it's just not happening. And I wish I had bought my friends for 30 grand because I, I have a red one. He had a black one. And, uh, you know, those cars got all the way up to a quarter of a million dollars about a year ago, and now they're down hundred whatever. But so that I would have regretted that big time had I sold that car. Absolutely. Big time. Yeah. Give me, but I can't uh, really, I can't really say, I, you know, again, comes back to, we don't throw away much and we don't sell much. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime love affair, man. If you come oh. into this deal, <laughs> we're going to have to play this episode for my wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so coming up, we're going to talk with Ed. And if you are a patron of ours and you go to patreon.com and become a patron of our show, uh, Two Tired Guys Productions, we will have Ed talking a little bit about not only cars he wants someday. What? Oh, that one. Yeah. yeah. Duck. Two Tired duck. Guys. Duck. Doug, there you go. I don't know which way to duck. No, you're Here, fine. I can hear the crackling, of the crackling of your back now. <laughs> so that's it. And uh, Ed will be joining us on that. So make sure you join us for, for uh, us on uh, patreon.com. So that'll be fun. Ed, we thank you so much for joining us. I do want to, before you go, what, what helps sell a podcast more than things that are on fire? Oh, you have some really good things on fire picks. Now that well, I'm I in. Yeah, I can give you a little bit about the on fire. This time. is the Joey Chitwood one. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, that's good. A great, that's a great shot. I, 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 uh, that was out of my dad's archive. And this, yeah. of course, this is, uh, this is before they had a lot of safety oh, features. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hate to be in the front seat of that other car, but I would imagine. Uh, that's yeah. the real deal there. Mm hmm. Chitwood used to put on some great shows. Oh, yeah. Joey, Joey, Joey Chitwood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got to know Joey Chitwood. I'd, we'd see him every year in Indianapolis. Yeah, he was a really super, super nice guy. And his one son, Joey Jr., did that stunt in the Bond film with Roger Moore where the guy jumped the river and the car does the spin. Yeah. Yeah, he consulted. And then the guy in Diamonds Are Forever, the, uh, uh, Sean Connery drove the Mustang down the alley in uh, Las Vegas on two wheels. That was Buzz Bundy, who actually uh, worked on the Chitwood show. This is the coolest fire pick in the book, and you got to get the book just for this pick. Now that oh. is a fire pick. And it's a okay. Corvair. 
Yeah. So at one time we had 75 Corvair vans as our delivery vehicles. I'll tell you, my uncle Zeke is, is standing behind that mass of flame. <laughs> and okay. So I'll tell you about this. That's in the parking lot at Irwindale drag strip. Uh, the drag strips would they got wise to these fire burnouts. And in this era, the magazines, you know, the first fire burnout was an accident. And then from there, everybody sort of came up with their own method. And I mean, all the way to we use gasoline. I mean, that's just flat out a gallon of gas under each wheel, throw a match in it and then have them spin the tires and it just throws it up. It splashes it everywhere. But it's only like that for like, and you've got to catch it at the right time. So, and this is not a motor driven camera. That was shot with a pocket camera called a Rolly 35. 30, full frame, 35 millimeter, but it synced at a one five hundredth of a second, which uh, uh, SLRs did not. And and so anyway, we won't do the technical photo side. But anyway, so they wouldn't. When they said, "What are you going to use?" We said, "Well, we're going to use gasoline." They go, "No gasoline," because gasoline and asphalt, you know, they don't get along, yeah. and it, it just it just erodes the asphalt. You know, it takes the tar away. So so anyway, they said you can do it in the parking lot. Okay, so we go to the parking lot, and this is actually facing away from the drag strip, is the angle of that picture. And I set the exposure so it would black out the background so you couldn't see any other the other stuff in the background and on a shorter exposure uh, uh, shutter speed and, uh, and, and did that shot. And that made drag racing pictorial. I did one with Herm Peterson that's in there. That was done on a shutoff road at Orange County. Uh, I mean, we were lighting everything on fire at that time. <laughs> I, I go, seriously. You know, I, it's unbelievable. I go over to CarCraft one day because I was freelancing for them. And they were showing fire burnout pictures. And they, the art director goes, well, hey, check this one out. They had a fire burnout picture with some guy on a motorcycle on a road. And the guy had a leather jacket. And he didn't have a fender on the back. And the flame went up the back of the jacket. I mean, it flung it up onto the back of the jacket. I mean, wow. it was it was awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it became... Not if you were in the jacket. <laughs> well, he had a leather jacket on. So, it became a one-upsmanship. Yeah. Okay? Like, well, I can top that. Okay? So, I said, we were spawned. We had the Justice Brothers All-Star wheel standing team. And I said, you know... We, we wanted to do a wheel standing burnout, but that was with the wheels all on the ground. And when they tried to do it, they couldn't get the traction to get the, the vehicle up. So I got with Chuck Poole one night with the Chuck wagon, and we're in the parking lot now in Orange County, different racetrack, same scenario. And, and I said to Chuck, I said, well, how about this? How about we pour a whole bunch of gas down, we light it, you come down, and you drive through it. And I said, and I'll snap the picture right as you drive through. Again, one shot, trying to time it right. And he goes, yeah, no danger in that. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, well, there's no danger in that. And, and really, frankly, to be quite honest, there really probably wasn't. It sounds worse than it. So he comes down, and, and so he said, what do you think? Yeah, let's do it a few more times. You know, it's like Hollywood. You know, you talk to any experienced Hollywood stuntman, and the, the best lesson he can give a new stuntman is don't always do what they ask you to do, okay? They're going to ask <laughs> you to do stuff, and you're going to say yes because you think it 
your future depends on it. You don't want to let them down. And he said, they'll literally get you hurt. Okay. And, and it's true. And so anyway, I said to Chuck, Hey, would you have a problem? We do it a few more times. Not a problem. So <laughs> we did till we ran out of gasoline. Okay. And we went through a lot. So I get home, I get the, the film developed. One of the shots, exactly what I was looking for trucks up like this and the flame is huge. And so if you take the truck and you figure out how high the truck was with the cab up and all that, it was a 15 foot tall flame. I mean, it was, it was the only wheel standing burnout ever done. Okay. For whatever that's worth. But at the time it was like a big deal. You know what I mean? But anyway, it's like, Hey, I did one with a wheel stander, you know? So anyway, wow. yeah, it, and they, it ran its course. You know, they tell us, when we did that Herm Peterson one in the turnoff road, we told, you know, it, we were honest. They said, what are you going to do? We go, well, we're going to do a fire burnout. And they said, well, you don't have an ambulance. Well, Tony Nancy was there that day and he had an ambulance. And they said, well, if you ask Tony, maybe he'll let you use your, their, am, his ambulance. And so I asked Tony, I said, Hey, you have a problem. We use your ambulance when you're done. He goes, yeah, no problem. Tony was a great guy. And so they, but they said now, oh, it's on the turnout road. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. And, and no gasoline. Right. And we go, oh no, no gasoline. No, no. You do, alcohol. Okay. Well, if you know anything about alcohol, you cannot see the flame in the daytime. Yeah, no. I mean, you can have an alcohol fire and be standing in it and yeah. you only know, you go, Hey, it's sort of hot, you know? And so we, we use gas. And if you look at that Herm Peterson burnout, the, you only get that, range of from white hot to yellow to the deep orange red to then the carbon smoke that only comes from gasoline you can't get that any other way and so that that burnout I, I love that I shot that on a Hasselblad two and a quarter negative and and uh yeah I mean but you know fire sells I mean it's, yeah. <laughs> it's you know you, they call it clickbait today but you put a fire burnout on the cover of the magazine and it would increase the sales immediately I mean yeah. it just boom your eye goes right to it that's right we are playing that game you know whatever it took to sell a picture man what do you want you want the girl in the bathing suit? Okay, we got that. We'll put <laughs> By the way, this is a professional. Do not do that at home, ladies and gentlemen. Right. No, 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 no. No, not anymore. No, and, 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 and always an empty gas can is more dangerous than a full gas can. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fumes. Yep. The fumes are deadly. I'll tell, I'll tell you a story about A.J. Foyt one time <laughs> with a pile of trash next to the home he was building at Lake Travis with gasoline on a hot Texas day. Oh boy. You, oh. will not, you will not believe this story. And it was me and him. And uh, Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> save that pick, save that story. We'll do it on our Patreon thing. Okay. okay? All, right. All right, save the pick. Now, if you want to hear that, you have to become patrons of the show. See, this will be worth the while. Anyway. Ed Justice Jr., thank you. Don't forget to listen to our audio podcasts on radio.com and knx1070.com. Watch our video podcasts on our new Two Tired Guys, right behind Bob there, Two Tired Guys production channel. Subscribe to both and uh, follow us on social media. Become a Two Tired Guys <laughs> patron on patreon.com and you'll be able to hear that story that Ed just teased right there. So until next time, I'm Randy. That's Bob. That's Ed. Thanks for joining us as we've had some fun talking about cars. We'll see you later. <laughs>